Welcome to What We Call Love, a podcast series empowered by Bumble and the Twenties Club. I'm Madeline Walker, and today we are talking about female pleasure. Okay, well, we're actually talking about the absence of it. I don't know about you, but for me it feels like, despite all the progress we've made when it comes to gender equality, you know, breaking the glass ceiling, industries finally closing the gender pay gap, corporations giving us a seat at the table, and government bodies allowing us to occupy corridors of power... Despite all of that, when it comes to female pleasure in the context of dating and intimacy, it still feels like an afterthought. It still feels secondary to basically everything else. A lot of the time it feels like we either don't know what we want when it comes to sex and intimacy, or we do know but we lack the confidence and skills to communicate it effectively with our partners. And when you compare that sentiment with the ease in which men experience fulfilling sex, it's worth considering whether a woman's lack of sexual entitlement is akin to the gender pay gap. And if that is the case, oh my God, isn't it time we renegotiated? We also can't talk about female pleasure without acknowledging the stigma that still surrounds masturbation. Why is it that when we talk about men getting off, it's done with reverence, humour and a sense of normalcy, And yet the idea of a woman engaging in self-pleasure is either completely ignored or met with shame. These are just some of the questions readers of The Twenties Club, users of Bumble and myself have been ruminating on for a while now. And who better to answer them than someone who has built their entire career on the pursuit of pleasure? Chantal Oten is an award-winning psychosexologist who is passionate about empowering people, however they choose to identify, to feel great about their sexual health. With a background in scientific research, sexual medicine and counselling, Oten believes that sexuality and self-esteem are an integral part of life and something that everyone is entitled to. As she reminded me in our conversation, good sexual health should always be enjoyable, pain-free and without prejudice. Here's Chantal and I for What We Call Love. Let's start with you sharing what you do in the world. So for those who may not have heard of your profession, could you explain what a sexologist is and specifically what it is that you're passionate about? Yeah, sure. So a sexologist is someone who studies the science of human sexuality. And you can be a sexologist in a few different streams. So I'm a psychosexologist. I deal with the biggest sexual organ, which is the brain, and I come from a psychology background. You can be a medical sexologist and work with a huge amount of the medical side and medications. You can be a scientific sexologist, which I also am in terms of doing research around sexuality. So my job as a psychosexologist is to meet with individuals and couples of all stages all ages, all genders and sexual orientations and really be there to help them with any questions that they have around sexuality and help them achieve their goals to have a pleasurable and satisfactory sexual life. Wow. And in sexology, professionals often talk about this topic of sexual wellness. So Mm. what does sexual wellness mean? And How can a person, whether they're male or female or non-binary, sort of assess their own level of sexual wellness? I think sexual wellness really means that you're having a pleasurable 
and satisfactory sexual life without pain, without any concerns from a medical point of view. But also, if you do have any problems with pain or with your biological responses to sexuality, that you can still find satisfaction and pleasure around that. Of course, people with different abilities will have sex in different ways. Mm -hmm. People on different medications will be affected. That doesn't mean it's the end of your sexual life. It just means that we need to find really fun ways of making sure that you have pleasure and that it's not goal-orientated towards penetration and orgasm, yeah. which sexuality tends to be. Yes, and so in that sense, you know, our sexual wellness and our overall health, they do correlate, right? So we is it important to have both and do we treat them differently, our overall health and well-being and our sexual wellness, or do they sort of have this overlap? They definitely correlate because I think that sexuality should be part of the healthcare system and that's something that I've really made my mission to make sure that people realise that it's normal to have sexual problems at some stage and that they can get help. Yeah. There's a real problem with the medical system not knowing how to identify sexual problems nor how to treat them, especially when it comes to female problems like sexual pain, mm -hmm. um, you know, libido, etc. Even, you know, problems like erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, there's a real unknown for a lot of people around how to treat that. And that's really my job. That's what I've uh, trained seven years to do. And there's more and more sexologists coming out in the world, which is a wonderful thing. That's amazing. There seems to be a gap or at least a disconnect between society's expectations of a man achieving pleasure through sex and a woman's ability to achieve that same level of pleasure. And I understand mm. that there are so many theories as to where this might stem from. But I wonder if a good place to start is, do you believe there's been a miseducation when it comes to the differences in how men and women achieve pleasure in the body? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't learn about the clitoris for so long. So long. I know. I mean, it's been long understood that, you know, men can orgasm through penetrative sex alone. However, I feel like we've only recently started talking about the fact that the same cannot be said for women having an orgasm. Yeah. So we've, you know, always been taught that a mature woman should be able to have a penetrative orgasm, but it's just not the case. Literally like 70% of females cannot orgasm through penetration alone. Wow. Um, we need to have our clitoris stimulated and we need to be having fun and there needs to be a lot longer for us to have that climatic buildup. You know, it doesn't take five to 10 minutes like it yeah. does for those with penises. It, t it takes about 25 minutes in a part partnered situation situation to be able to reach a stage where you're feeling climatic. When you're by yourself, of course, you know your tips and your tricks and the way to get yourself off. It's a lot harder when you're with someone else. And I guess, you know, this is really the time for women to be like, you know what, I really deserve pleasure. Exactly. And in that sense, in terms of the disconnect, has your experience in terms of clients been that same sex couples tend to have more pleasurable experiences than hetero couples because they're sort of more attuned to their partner's needs? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely correct because they know their partner's needs. They tend to communicate a lot better and also often they have the same body parts. So exactly. they are able to know where the sweet spots are. 
So the, the sort of long-held belief that a lot of women have had, you know, we've sort of put our inability to climax down to things like being unlucky or something being wrong with us. Is that something that you're, that sort of comes up with your clients, that element of shame mm. around an inability to have a pleasurable experience? Yeah, definitely. I think that because we learn a lot from pornography and from media and we have a Disney point of view around sexuality rather than a well-educated point of view, we start to think that we should be, you know, screaming with pleasure and that we should be having multiple orgasms and it should be within three minutes, which is just not the case. And a lot of women come in and go, you know what, I don't work and I can't have an orgasm and I'm broken. Also, there's a lot of women out there who have sexual pain conditions like vaginismus, mm-hmm. which sounds like Christmas for the vagina, but it's the opposite. <laughs> it's like Halloween. It's basically where the pelvic floor is so tight that it's hard to penetrate. It's hard to get a tampon in, a finger in, let alone have a cervical screening or have a penis inside you. And that's because the pelvic floor is just way too tight. And that's something that I really deal with a lot in my clinic. Um, it's something that I have a special interest in. Is there something that causes vaginismus? Anything can cause it and nothing can cause it. It just is when it's kind of like if I had a pen and I threw it at your eye, your eye would blink to because it anticipated pain Mm -hmm. and it didn't want that. And it's the same when anything comes near the vagina. It's going, this is going to be difficult and painful because my pelvic floor is so tight that I'm just going to close up and make sure that I don't have any penetration here but a lot of the time you know we try and force penetration and that just makes the condition worse so women can go for years and years and years with this condition having really painful sex being told by their gps you just need to have a glass of wine you just need to have you know a relaxing time have a bath beforehand and they're not getting their problem fixed and they just think they're broken and they're not normal and that's that sucks to me because it's such a simple fix it's actually one of the easier sexual concerns to to treat. So what is the best way to start treating something like that? If, you know, they've tried all the, you know, relaxing and having a glass of wine and, you know, having Mm. a relaxing bath. (laughs) Book a session with the sexologist. That's the best way to go and get some pelvic floor physio. Often your sexologist will be able to to introduce you to someone who's very good and very well trained at vaginismus from a pelvic floor physio point of view. I have a physio that works for me and we work as a team together and it's just amazing. And if anyone has any questions in New Zealand, of course, we do telehealth sessions so we can just call in via Zoom or FaceTime. Amazing. Bumble prides itself on creating a safe space for its community to make meaningful connections. The private detector feature within the app prevents the sharing of unsolicited photos, you know what I'm talking about, by automatically blurring an image that might be offensive and then alerting the recipient. From there, the user can decide whether to view the image or report it. Bumble is also working to take the private detector concept into the real world. In 2019, Bumble CEO and founder Whitney Wolfhood testified in front of the Texas State House and Senate, pressing lawmakers to make the unsolicited sending of lewd nude images punishable by law. That law was passed in September 2019, and Bumble is now looking beyond Texas in their quest to make the online world a kinder, safer place. Bumble has a zero-tolerance policy for bad behaviour and will permanently ban users who violate their terms. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, 
three modes, one mission. So another theory as to why pleasure remains this elusive concept is that people believe our generation has become disconnected from sex through the rise of things like hookup culture, access to digital porn, as you mentioned, and even things like just our obsession with Netflix and how that sort of has replaced Mm. sex for a lot of couples. Do you agree with any of that? And what sort of worries you about those trends? I definitely agree that we are not prioritising sex as much as we could. Um, I think that people have the wrong idea around when sex should happen. Right. You know, maybe they're thinking sex should be at, you know, 11pm at night when we go to bed. But to me, that's like the worst time to have sex mm-hmm. because you're so exhausted. You know, there's a lot going on in the world too. We're trying to cram a lot into our days. So I'm really a big believer in having sex before Netflix. Yeah. I'm really a big believer in having sensual massages with maybe a happy ending and just breaking down what sex actually is. So moving away from this notion that it is about penetration and orgasm because that's where the disconnect is, is coming in. We think it's just this huge job to be undertaken, whereas it doesn't have to be like that. Oral sex is still sex. Having right. um, a make-out session is still sexual activity. You know, we don't have to put sex into such a rigid view and such a box of what it is. I would rather people break down that menu into little bite-sized pieces and have little bits of eroticism every day. Yes. And the topic of... Um you know, porn sort of gets a bad rap in terms of its impact on us. But I've always wondered this. Is there such a thing as good porn or is all porn detrimental to a person's sort of perception and expectations around sex? No, there is ethical porn and there is porn that is made by female directors, female producers, and it's out there. It's good. It's, you know, consensual activity and it's focusing on female pleasure because it's such a male-dominated field. We recognise that in, in the past few years there are a few people coming out there and going, you know what, we need to find pornography that's both ethical and that appeals to women's desires. And so in terms of the sort of, I don't know, expectations or or perceptions that someone might get from from pornography and Mm. how that can sort of flow on into the, the expectations they have around their own sex life, is your experience that it's not always a, de- a detrimental thing. Like it can be, I don't know, inspiring or um, mm. sort of invigorating or helpful for couples suffering from low libido. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can, you know, tap into the brain, which is where we need to get that sexual arousal. Um, It can give people the right idea. It gives you a place to masturbate. You know, it taps into the imagination, the eroticism. And if we don't have our imagination, then we're going to have problems with our desire and with our sexual lives. So for women who know what they want during sex but maybe lack the tools or the confidence to communicate these desires to their partner, which is something that my girlfriends and I have spoken a lot about. What advice would you give in terms of how it's best to communicate with your partner, whether that's a man or a woman? Mm, I think it's a really good idea to first do some work by yourself. Right. You know, if you know how to touch your own body, then wonderful, you might be able to direct your partner. If you don't know how to touch your own body, then that's something that, you know, you should really explore a little bit. There's great um, websites like omgs.com that teach you how to masturbate and that teach you new things to do um, with penetrative intercourse as well. And then I think just getting a piece of paper and writing down things 
that turn you on, that accelerate you towards a sexual interaction, you know? Something like you feeling really good, you having a fake tan on, you right. know, your partner being really nice to you, you having a great relationship, lots of energy. And then on the other side of that piece of paper, write down things that put the brakes on and that really don't make you go forward, that make you stand still. Maybe that's that you've got too much work on. Maybe that's your partner's being a bit grumpy. Mm -hmm. Maybe that you're in isolation and you can't reach your partner. You know, try and work out how many turn-ons you have and how many turn-offs you have and try and turn off the offs and turn on the ons. That's such good advice. And in terms of things that women may want specifically during sex, is it best to have those sorts of conversations before sex or during sex? Definitely beforehand. Okay. Unless, you know, you feel confident in going, hey, babe, like, can you do this? It really depends on your relationship. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you've got a solid relationship where you can give direction during your sexual escapades, and go for it. If you'd like to have a chat beforehand, then you can, you know, play a game around it. You can say, what are your favourite things, you know, in the bedroom? My favourite is this and this and this and this, you know. Try and make it light. It doesn't have to be a serious conversation. It has to just be fun and proactive and nothing that's going to cause any kind of performance anxiety issues. So I'm really fascinated by how differently we discuss male masturbation and female masturbation. This really, really is interesting to me. In your opinion, why is it that female masturbation is still shrouded in shame and stigma, whereas mm. the idea of guys getting themselves off is so normal and accepted and expected and, you know, spoken about with reverence and humour. Like, there's such a, a black and white contrast, in my opinion, between the way we talk about female masturbation and male masturbation. Mm, I just think that we, I mean, we don't really have any words for female masturbation, you right, know, for, right. for male masturbation. We hear like wanking yeah. and jacking off. These are things that we learnt from school. And with males, you can see their genitals when they're naked. With females, we can't see our own genitals. We can't see other women's vulvas either. So we get a little bit confused about what's normal, what's okay and what's not. And mm -hmm. I think you know, no one really spoke about female pleasure or masturbation. So even though I believe from a professional perspective that it is still becoming more and more normalised with each day, there is a lot, you know, of, I guess, grey area here and it comes down to cultural preferences, it comes down to religion, it comes down to the beliefs that you grow up with and the fact that women don't really talk about masturbation with each other. As a sexologist, do you believe that self-pleasure is important? Like, should we all have a self-pleasure routine of sorts? Absolutely, I think it is. I think it's really important to get to know our bodies. I'm not saying that you have to do it every day, but if you want to, that's totally fine. I think it's important to know how our fingers feel on our vulva, what it's like inside our vagina, what it's like to touch our clitoris, what the right moves are to get ourselves off, and... Yeah, I, I really encourage anyone who has a vulva to give it a go because it's going to help you immensely. And so say a woman is listening to this and she has does have she has no self-pleasure routine but mm. wants one. Say she's a busy working mother and she's thinking, I don't have the time or the space to make mm. this happen. How would you suggest she can start to sort of reconnect with her body and maybe yeah. implement some sort of entry-level ways of self-pleasuring? 
Yeah, sure. So I have a sexual self-esteem course, which is probably one of the first things I would recommend. It's an online course that people can do to really tap into why they have sex. What are the, the messages that they learnt around sex? Mm -hmm. You know, how do they feel around their body? Secondly, if you're getting into self-pleasure routines, if you don't have that much time, do it in the shower. You know, use your fingers in the shower, use a shower head. You can also buy a great clitoral vibrator like a womanizer because those should be a real staple in anyone with a vulva in their toolkit because it is there to just send pleasure waves over the top of the clitoris and bring blood down to that area and it will help with climax. So I often tell people who haven't had an orgasm yet to give this toy a go. Sorry, what was the name of that toy in case people missed it? It's a womanizer. So you are very, it's very easy to find a womanizer online. Cool. Um, Love Honey is a great stockist for that one. And basically anyone who has a vulva should get one because <laughs> it, is, it is so much fun. And you can also bring it into like erotic scenarios with your sexual partner as well. And then their travel size. So if you're going to go meet a new sexual partner, you can bring them with you in your handbag and you shouldn't feel ashamed about that. Amazing. And finally, what do you want women to know about pleasure and their right to pleasurable experiences? That they have, well, just that they have the right to have pleasurable mm. sexual experiences and that there's no normal. If you're into something, if you're a bit worried that no one else is into it, if it's a bit taboo, then don't worry about it because you're not the only one out there that will have that kind of fantasy, yeah. you know. There is absolutely nothing wrong with dreaming big when it comes to sexuality and being a bit dirty. You can put on a different alter ego in the bedroom that you don't have out in the real world. That is the beauty of our sexual lives. We can be whoever we want to be. Chantal, thank you so much. And for people who want to say they're either Australian-based and want to work with you or living in New Zealand, what's the best way for them to sort of connect with you through social media and things like that? Sure. So my website is www.chantelotten.com, C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E-O-T-T-E-N.com. So if you want an appointment or if you want to reach out or get in contact, you can do it through there. And if you want to follow me on social media, it's just Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist, which I'm sure will be in the show notes as well. Yes. And we will, well, hopefully I'll be able to inspire you a little bit to expand on your sexual life and to feel really confident in yourself. Absolutely. I'm so excited for Kiwi Woman to hear this. And I think we're going to have to get you back for some sort of Q&A for all the for questions sure. that are going to arise after this episode goes live. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to come back and to yes. answer everyone's questions. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>